welcome to the 20th episode of the Comeuppance Reviews podcast. I'm Brett from Comeuppance Reviews. Hi, I'm Ty. And we have a special guest today. We have Richard Hawes from the DTV Digest. Hi, Richard. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. Thanks for coming on. Um, and um, that's a special treat that we have. It's our second uh, transatlantic podcast. Um, after talking to um, Exploding Helicopter. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Uh, Exploding Helicopter podcast. We talked about uh, kill and kill again. Yeah. And, well, and it's my second it? transatlantic podcast, too, because I did uh, uh, the, uh, Matt's uh, DTV Connoisseur podcast to talk about Steven Seagal's The Patriot. Uh, <laughs> I, I listened to that. That was a good one. I just watched it a few weeks ago because it's, you know, it's about a virus. You know, it's like, so it seems very topical. <laughs> well, and didn't it get it got something I still haven't seen it, but it got something of a bad rap because I guess it doesn't have as much action as other Seagal movies. Is that true? I think that was the main criticism of it. But there are many other criticisms. But I think it's great. <laughs> um, That's very but, true. <laughs> but, you know, Matt's on our show a lot and, and, and he pretty much recommended you. Um, yeah. Highly yeah, it's like, yeah, Richard Hawes is a great guest. He's like, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so, yeah, I think what we'll do is kind of we were saying off the air is, well, we're going to do our normal two little opening segments and then we'll get into the main discussion, which is um, our our next installment of our um, video store memories. memories. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm getting nostalgic and wistful already. I, you know, I'm already losing it. But um, <laughs> but the uh, the first one I think we'll do is the person who should have been an action star, aka could have been a contender. And yeah. Ty, who is it this week? I won't I won't do much singing, but I'll uh, I'll say the, uh, the no, I can't speak either. The, the, <laughs> our person of this time is Steve Martin. So, so you don't think of him as good as an action star, you know he. You know, he's doing comedies. But this so, time he's out for revenge. Right. So your vision is he has sort of a grizzled beard. He's he's dark. He's angry. Yes. You know, um, maybe he doesn't have white hair. Maybe his hair is, is darker as well. And, yes. you know, his, something happens to his family and he has to, in a dark sort of way, <laughs> and, um, get revenge. And um, Steve Martin has to throw away his wackier tendencies and be more serious. Oh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> Who should he team um, up with? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, Minnie Martin Short, you know, just well, like Father funny, of the Bride. To my mind as well, but oh. at, do you think that would be too much of a callback to his comedic roles? Well, this time they're serious. <laughs> There's no way. I'm sorry, what? I said they can be the two amigos and they have guns. Um, so, maybe Chevy uh, Chase is the bad guy, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. And, in, and it could happen because Steve Martin has done serious roles. Uh, right. You know, especially recently. You know, there's like the Spanish prisoner and stuff around 2000. And then he, he's done, always oh, turned up in quite a few roles that you would not expect to see him in alongside all the sort of ropey family movies and stuff that he was doing. In what was that house. silly one? Was it Bringing Down the House? Bringing Down the House with Queen yeah. Latifah. I think he does like a rap impression or something, a rapper impression. Never saw it. Rap impression. 
because yeah. well, um, he's done so many of these family type movies. Well, but the yeah. father of the bride. Yeah, uh, what's that? Um, well, he has all the kids. Oh, cheaper um, by the dozen. Yeah, cheaper by a dozen. Yes, thank um, you. Cheaper by a dozen too, right? <laughs> So, but but you have a good point. He's not completely foreign to these to more to more serious roles. So it wouldn't be that much of a stretch. I think that's why you mentioned that and why maybe Ty thought of it. Well, I mean, you see, that means so many comedians have. I mean, uh, Jim Carrey recently did like a really dark Polish thriller about looks like sexual violence and stuff. It was like they, I forgot Rob, the title. Robert dark Williams is, is that, that what it's he called? Did quite a few. Oh, that's true. Yeah, well, I always preferred uh, Robin Williams' serious roles to his comedic roles, personally. If only he changed his name back to James Carey for the, for <laughs> well, the serious that, roles. That's just a show he's serious this time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, all right, so that was our person who we should go dive down <laughs> go oh, into yeah, the was... action world. Yeah. Well, uh, like on, a, on, a, on a tangent from that. Sure, go ahead. Okay. What about Hugh Laurie? I could see that instead of uh, over here in the UK, uh, he was primarily known as a comedy guy, a bit like Steve Martin, and uh, he he basically went to the states and completely reinvented himself. And you guys know him more as like House and stuff like yes. that. Right. Yes, over here we pretty much know him as House. Um, Good old Gregory House. <laughs> but you know, but we know he us in Street yeah. Kings. Oh, Street I, we love Street Kings. Yeah, oh, I love that's Street really unexpected for us to see yeah. him in a role like that. Yeah, interesting. That a, so it can be done. That's a really good movie. We can talk about Street Kings all day. <laughs> that was a good. Uh, so yeah, what else would you know, Hugh Laurie? Maybe he can do a spinoff of his character from Street Kings as, as another movie. Then he could have Stephen Fry. <laughs> right. <laughs> See, the, uh, the possibilities are endless. Yeah. It just keeps going on and on. Like, I guess we can go to the next segment if you want. I don't want to keep talking about Martin. Well, before, or... we, before we get away from this. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Ask, there was something I wanted to ask you from listening to earlier episodes. Now, do oh, I remember okay. you guys talking about Scott Bayo at one point? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, laughs> it's Scott Bayo. Yeah. Did uh, you guys ever see Detonator? No. Um, Wait. From, I think it was like 1997 or something. He did made it with Charlene Tilton, and he's like, it's got like him on the cover with like um, dark glasses and smoke, you know, sort of lighting a cigarette, kind of brooding shot. That, I, I remember I remember getting it when it came out, but I can't really remember much about it. It's kind of one of those films that's been completely forgotten. You can't really get hold of it well anymore. That'll be definitely one to look out for for your VHS collection. Sure, sure. I'm definitely. That really sounds like it. That sounds like we right that. up our alley. Because yeah. we saw another movie called Detonator, and it has Elizabeth Berkley. <laughs> and yeah. uh, who else was in that? Uh, Randall. Randall Patinkoff. Yeah, I want to make sure I say that right. Randall. But, and it has that all this one? footage from other movies. And um, yeah, that's Detonator 2. Well, det- I don't say Detonator 2. It's another movie called Detonator. Um, but yeah, not the Scott Bayo one, but that does sound like something we want to watch out for. Uh, I'm on the case. Yeah, apparently, it's like a, a variation on Leon, like a oh. really cheap variation on Leon. Apparently, that sounds good. And then Bayo is in the Jean Renault character. Yeah, as far as I can remember, yeah, he is the lead. He's, he's the sort of he's a uh, like anti-hero bomb, bomber guy. Really? 
Yeah. Ah. Damn, that sounds good. I'm, I'm the second we're done with this uh, podcast, I'm gonna look that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See if you can see what you can find out about that tag. That seems like something you would oh. be interested in picking up. I'm on the case for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think that we've mentioned so many people. I do kind of remember making a reference to Scott Bayo as 45 and pregnant, whatever the two yeah, was That reality show from the early 2000s. It's like, what was the plot? He wasn't pregnant, like junior, but he was. Yeah, I don't think he was physically pregnant. I think they, no. you know, it's kind of like when a couple says, hey, we're pregnant. And, right. uh, <laughs> Um, and I, mean, I guess maybe his wife or his girlfriend was yeah. pregnant. I don't, I don't, I didn't watch it, so I don't no. really know the ins and outs. Uh, <laughs> Did you ever see that show? <laughs> <laughs> Did that air in the UK? I don't think so. It doesn't ring a bell at all. I used to watch a lot of uh, sitcoms like Growing Pains and stuff when I was growing up, and Family Ties and stuff, obviously. But uh, even we even had Leave It to Beaver and stuff, I think, at some point. But no, that was one that I, I don't think we had. Yeah, because. Do you, do you get the reality company, shows right? in the UK? Oh, sorry, what was that, Richard? Oh, yeah, go ahead. I said Three's Company was another one that we had that I really oh. No, but see, this was later. This is like sometime in the 2000s, and it, it was yeah. a reality show. It was so it was, oh, I don't know. It probably, I mean, we got so many, you know, like everywhere else, we got so many sort of satellite channels with stuff. And, you know, probably it's probably been on somewhere. And just, <laughs> but it, Scott Bayo is not really known over here, mm-hmm. so... It, there wouldn't have been much of it. I mean, Steven Seagal Lawman season three hasn't even aired over here, and everyone knows who he is. <laughs> that was on a, ages ago. <laughs> so I that. Um, well, I know you're in suspense, and you're uh, you're you're on a cliffhanger from the previous season. I would be. I was on True Justice because that never finished. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that show. That has the worst end of season cliffhanger ever. <laughs> you could go right ahead and spoil it because that. <laughs> well, I don't know if listeners want that. Okay, but, no uh, spoilers. But no, nothing ever got resolved. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> like they were setting, like they were, they spent the whole season setting something up, which mm. went nowhere, and then it was like, no, there's not going to be another series. <laughs> so it's like completely nah. pointless. <laughs> Uh, that's too bad. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, Scott Bayo, I say, at least over here, is pretty well known because, um, you know, probably because of Charles in Charge and because yeah. of um, Joni Loves Chachi. Uh, yeah. You know, but yeah, I guess we had maybe enough to justify a reality show about a pregnancy. I guess you guys didn't because you don't care about Bayo. I guess over there. <laughs> well, but I say I, I don't watch many of the those channels and that so i wouldn't put it past it being on somewhere i mean i don't even know if charles in charge was ever on over here hmm. i mean we had happy days i grew up on you know watching happy days but um, beyond that uh, i don't think we had any of the spin-offs or anything oh interesting because there was at least well i'm trying to think there was a, i think there was more than one there was another um, spin-off what was it laverne and shirley yeah laverne and shirley i think was also a, a spin-off of happy days yeah and yeah, it definitely was because they had lenny and squiggy I think Mork and Mindy was a spin-off as well, because I think Mork first appeared on Happy Days. <laughs> I believe you are correct. So that means there's an alien on Happy Days. <laughs> and yeah, there was an alien. That yeah. sounds like a bit uh, out there for just a <laughs> 50 well, okay. well, that, But they invented the term jumping the shark because that, you know, that came oh, from that's Happy that's true. <laughs> so I guess they think, weren't averse to Ron, Do you think Ron Howard is ever going to do uh, a big screen reboot? I wouldn't put it past him. That would be amazing. That would, that, they should they should do that. He could team up with Blumhouse and they could make it a horror movie. 
<laughs> Bosley, uh, the ghost, maybe? If it's one thing about this podcast, I always say it's it's an idea factory. We've had so many <laughs> ideas on this show that people could easily take, and, and that's another great contribution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we, did we mention Tom Bosley being an action star? He was already Father Dowling. Yeah, I think you guys did talk about Bosley, yeah. Yeah, Bosley. Yeah, that that that's a good one. Yeah, he got. Yeah, you're right. He got close with Father Dowling, but um, I'm gonna ask every every question. Did you get Father Dowling in the UK? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, he did. He oh, did. Okay. okay. And diagnosed this murder with uh, Dick Van Dyke. Well. Okay. Okay. So I've been right. watching. I've been yeah. watching Murder She Wrote because I'm now 85 years old. <laughs> so it's uh, you know, it, she doesn't kill anybody, Angela Lansbury, but she just. Just solves crimes, but obviously. Right. <laughs> well, that's all right. I might have said this on the podcast before. I know I say it a lot in regular life, which is Cabot Cove, Maine, is the most dangerous place in America to live. It's it's a small little town in Maine with a higher murder rate than Chicago. I mean, it's everyone's getting murdered in Cabot Cove. I mean, what what the heck's going on? Angel Over Lansbury. Here we've got a show called Midsummer Murders. Oh. About a village, a village yeah. called Midsummer, and it's been running for so many seasons. Mm-hmm. That they've had so many. You know, they probably had more murders than there are actually people living there. <laughs> yeah, we get midsummer murders over here because because huh? it, it's it's reciprocal. Like we get a lot of British shows now, so that 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 is definitely one that we get. Um, the, the population of midsummer murders probably should be zero, right? It's like <laughs> you'd think. Well, Shetland, which is a show I like a lot, it's it's okay. even smaller. It's this small little Scottish island, and people are getting murdered left and right. Yeah. <laughs> but um so all well, that being said uh, just yes. to move things along a little we're okay, gonna sure. move on to our cliche of the day and as yes. we always say not meant to be negative it's something we look for and uh so ty what is our cliche is for this week drug deals gone wrong yes <laughs> every time there's a drug deal in one yep. of these movies, either at the beginning of the movie or usually in the, well, I guess it could be at any time yeah. during the movie. You know, these guys show up with their briefcases and the deal's about to go down. Something happens and then it's a drug deal gone wrong. And it happens a lot. And that is our cliche for this week. <laughs> That's a good one. And it's Ty, as you always say, it's never, oh, sorry. <laughs> what do I say? Oh, oh yes. It never, it goes, never right. goes right, these drug deals. It's like Sometimes here's your coke, sir. Arms deal. That's a, the, uh, you know, it's that specifically a drug deal. It could possibly be a gun deal. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, gun running. Uh, like the gun. Like here's your gun, sir. Here's your coke, and then they just my, go on their merry way. Yeah, that, that never ever happens. Um, so what's your favorite version of the of that? Is it is it if, if there's a an un, for example if it's an undercover cop. Who, yeah. who it exposes the deal or something and it all goes wrong or if there's enough if there's somebody externally like a let's say uh, a sniper right is, like a third like, party yeah. taking out everyone i like the undercover cop because yeah. like yeah, I do hey, like he's an, a cop I to say undercover cop um well, see, when you first asked that question, you said, what's your favorite? I was thinking, like, specific movies, and I can give you a couple. I think oh, um, go on. Um, Steel Justice, I believe, has a good one. Um, right, Ty? The one with Martin, Martin Cove. Cove? Yeah, there's a drug deal. I remember uh, King of the Kickboxers oh, yeah. has a drug deal gone wrong. That was a good one. And I think maybe one of the best, I believe this is what kicks this off, is um, uh, Hard Justice. Oh, that's right. Great movie if, ever, if you haven't seen that. 
the opening sequence, I believe that amazing opening sequence, I believe it kicks off with a drug deal gone wrong. I think that's one of the best of all time. Tell me which one Hard Justice is. It stars David Bradley from the American Ninja series. Yep. And at the opening, there's a drug deal gone wrong. And then there's to say there's at least... 50 explosions that happen. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's it, uh, another classic cliche. It's in an abandoned warehouse, and it, it, I forget what, who the director is. Maybe Ty could correct me on that, or you could. But it, he's trying to outdo John Woo at his own game. Like he's trying to like take what John Woo did and like move it up a notch. I mean, that's clearly what he was trying to do. So there's all these moving shots and running people from explosions, and it's it's, it's he's John Wooing it up to the like utmost degree and it's so much fun to watch it's like it's got everything you want it sounds like it must be a pm entertainment movie well it's i think it's a new image movie but that's like probably their best one okay because well, yeah. new image is I, I i usually more associate new image with just being a bit bland yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so i'm with you on that Two P, three there, P there are pie. exceptions, obviously, but <laughs> yeah, there are. And, and of course, the movie slows down after that great opening sequence, so it doesn't really maintain that level. But then, it, but then at the end, because it's really a prison movie, it's it, the movie itself is more like Deathborn, where right. uh, David Bradley is undercover in prison. Um, and there's a great sequence towards the end, so it's kind of like sandwiched in with these great beginning and end sequence. The middle, it's good, but it, nothing could live up to that opening sequence or really the end sequence. But I would still definitely recommend it if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I'll have to try and find it. There's quite quite a few David Bradley films are actually really hard to get hold of, um, especially over here. And uh, I'm not sure if Hard Justice was properly released. It, I mean, it's quite possible that it was a it came out on video, but when. Uh, it's certainly not on DVD, as far as I'm aware. There's a US DVD, and maybe you can get a hold of it, which has Hard Justice and uh, is it Out, Outside, outside the, law? the Law. It's two David Bradley movies on the disc, and um, it's definitely good value for money if you if you want some Bradley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched his uh, film uh, Crisis recently on because um, I'd always wanted to see it, and uh, mm. Jalal Mur- Jalal Murhai <laughs> uh, yeah. released it on uh, YouTube. Oh, so he's got a YouTube channel for his company, and there's loads of their films are on there, like Circuit 3 and stuff, which I'd always... Oh, Circuit 3 you guys But the funny thing about um, Crisis is there's a problem with... It's like there was a problem with the copy, and so there's about five minutes of nothing. Like, the <laughs> film cuts out, and then, oh. it, then it, you know, skips forward about... You, well, you have to skip forward about five minutes, that's all. Um, continue with the story but it just get, just gets completely lost so various plot points are, are missed but yeah that was that was a bit weird but i was glad to you know that aside it, it was good to finally get a chance to see what was admittedly not a good movie but i've yeah. still, uh, always been curious about it and i was entertained so was it he's another stuff is out there it's just hard to find sometimes i actually have a copy of crisis i found uh, last year mm-hmm. but i haven't seen expect to die did you see that one I used to have that on video, oh. but uh, I don't. I mean, this was like 1993 or four or, or something. <clears throat> I can't remember. But uh, that was a that was the Billy Blanks one with um, uh, which I, I think Stephen Nijar was in it in a small oh, role. Nijar, oh, yeah, Nijar. Yeah. Uh, we're looking for is called The Protector, and it has Frank Zagarino and uh, who's else in that? Matthias Hughes. Yeah, I have that on the video fun. CD upstairs. Oh, that's great. How is oh, that? Have you CD of that? 
Yeah, VCD. In the in the 90s, I was importing lots of VCDs mm-hmm. from. Uh, well, there were like agents who were sending them over from like uh, Hong Kong and stuff. So uh, I used to I used to buy quite a few, and I've I've, I've only kept like five or six. Um, <laughs> one of them is um, it's the third the the third Dakota Smith film that. Um, oh, the Rage Edward Within. Is, the Rage Within where Dakota Smith is a supporting character instead of the lead, and it's directed by Mike Norris, who I think is also <laughs> in the lead. Um, again, so that's not a good movie, particularly, <laughs> but it's really rare and quite unusual. So I've, I've, I've always thought, it, when I've had a clip, because over the time I've had to clear a lot of stuff out, I was like, mm. I can't separate from that one, because at some point I need to watch it again, uh, just to, you know, just because it seems like it's... Uh, um, something quite unique of oh, having, you know, having that sort of weird trilogy of, of films that we're oh, in of, of, of playing that character. So that's why I kept hold of that. And, um, that's great you have that. It's very rare. We can't find it here. It's just about impossible. Do you still have your VCD of the um, the Nijar movie? What, The Protector? The Protector, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, I've always wanted to... Ro- because I used to do this blog, Have a Go Heroes, and I I always wanted to write a blog post about Nijar because he, he's just such a I believe like uh, he's an Indian, but uh, a Canadian guy, mm. um, and he's he just sort he just sort of stood out amongst so many of the other. I mean, he's not in, not in terms of his prowess of of his <clears throat> you know action and stuff, but just in terms of uh, uh, his ethnicity really. And I, I just always was quite interested by him. And he was quite mysterious. Finding information on him was quite hard. And I, I later learned that he was involved in like um, soccer and stuff because he did a film called, which I've got on VHS uh, imported uh, from uh, from from the US called The Final Goal. Yes, yes. we have that too. We love that. Movie. So <laughs> I've, I've kept both of those films so that I can eventually one day revisit them and write this article. Um, Nijar actually did a film, did a new film a couple of years ago called The Last King, which I regrettably did not catch because it was released uh, digitally. Um, mm. I haven't caught up with it. It's actually not available now. They've, uh, for some reason, it's been withdrawn. But uh, that's, um, yeah, that's one of the those things I've always wanted to get around to finishing was sort of exploring and, and bio, you know, sort of make, doing a little biography of of this guy who nobody who nobody knows about really <laughs> well you know here we're you know i know what you mean the general pop you know populace people don't really know but at least here that through the magic of podcasting you've found people uh that know him and and like him and um hopefully just this conversation would inspire you to pick up where that left off but um yeah absolutely i mean i was yeah. thinking of doing it even like this week i thought you know maybe oh. i should just sort of put things aside but because the last king's not available mm. i can't i can't do i can't do it and do it properly until until i can actually get to see that movie so um and i think he was in equal impact as well which I, uh, I think there's a couple of others i need to track down but um yeah so there's a that was that was good fun that that blog that i used to do uh, but uh, oh, i i, I, I see like it once you mentioned that you sent us a nice email, uh, and you mentioned the uh, was it the guy from Makoto, <laughs> Extreme yeah. Honor, right? 
Yes, uh, Shadow Fury. Oh, Shadow Fury, yes. Yeah. I've seen that. I just have to rewatch it for the site. Um, what was I going to say? But yeah, I mean, if nothing else, you, those VCDs are rare. So even if you don't write anything about Nijar, definitely hang on to those because those are very rare and, and sought after. Mm, okay. <laughs> I remember that. Because I've got another one, really, really, um, uh, one I've never been able to find any, but I think it's called, it's called Crossfire. And it's, I think it's about a veteran who has to, who's, he spends the whole movie, from what I remember watching it about 20 years ago, he he, he walks with a cane uh, and he has to rescue a girl from the uh, Statue of Liberty or something. But uh, I, mm. I really need to, I remember it being very, pretty dull, but it's just one of those films that was just so, you know, where did this come from? You know, it's like, I, it's so mysterious. I've heard of that. I, just I better hold on to it. And that's not the crossfire with Richard Norton. No, this is right. a different one. No, a different yeah, one, yeah. I, it has uh, Andrew Devoff. So, oh, so Devoff, okay. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I think he might have been the villain in it. Yeah, I've heard of the movie. Uh, I've well, never seen. No, it. no surprise there. Yeah. Um, but, um, he's a great villain. Yeah, he's usually a villain, and um, I was going to say, but going back to Nijar, the final goal. There's some great moments in that movie. It's very entertaining. Um, like there's that awesome kick. Like he kind of comes out of nowhere with like a jump kick. That's my memory, anyway. That's all uh, I got too. Yeah, <laughs> and Eric Estrada is like the main like soccer sort of boss. Soccer right? boss, yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty much pretty much what I remember. But I remember liking the movie. I mean, what I remember, I remember liking it. it's it's um it's supposed to be well, they can't say the World Cup, so it's <laughs> the, it's like a different name that they've come up with it, and it's supposed to be the biggest. <laughs> you know match of the year and you know stuff, stuff like that and, and they didn't have obviously they didn't have a, a budget for crowds so it just looks it looks really really cheap <laughs> and it's yeah. like, this, this wouldn't even pass muster as a like a regular uh like a, you know so like the final go, uh, final score that dave batista did you know at least that was filmed in a football stadium and had like crowd footage and everything and they could make it look really authentic uh but because for one thing I guess soccer not being as big, uh, you know, soccer as you, as you guys know it, uh, is not as big <laughs> as uh, the NFL, etc. Right. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't look it doesn't look particularly impressive. But I guess I don't know if soccer is bigger in Canada. Or, I'm not sure. But one of the other interesting things about that uh, that film is that it was directed by John Cassar, who went on to do a couple of things like Assault on Devil's Island, and later was integral in the development and and that of uh, 24. Oh, well, and, but not only that, also he directed that Hulk Hogan movie, uh, the, the Ultimate Weapon, right? The Ultimate cool. Weapon, yeah. That was and, another one I had on video CD, but I don't have that one anymore. And that well, I can understand why I you might have wanted to get rid of that one. <laughs> I, don't, yeah, I don't know if that one's a keeper, but there is one hilarious scene that we always talk about where there's this ti- Hulk like has to do this tiny little jump. Like There's like a wire on the ground, as I recall, and... Mm. Um, it's like why. really low on the ground, and but then when they cut to it, it's like a faraway shot with a stunt double, <laughs> like like Hulk couldn't do it, and um, it's very funny to watch. Um, but that sounds but, like uh, watching pretty much yeah. most Steven Seagal movies these days, <laughs> <laughs> or Bruce Willis movies, where I hear he has a lot of what well, uh, are now known as fake champs. <laughs> where yeah, Seagal you know, is uh, yeah. he. <laughs> 
stunt doubles are very obvious, yeah. <laughs> especially from well, the back. I think one of the reasons why they're so obvious is because no one on Earth has hair like him. So to, to replicate someone else to have hair like Seagal is basically impossible. So, yeah, <laughs> that's how you know. And his stature. You know, he's got such a large frame. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. And belly. And he belly. has much girth. It's like, <laughs> but I, I think with with the with the stunt doubles, it's almost like I don't know if that's some sort of self delusion or some sort of delusion. It's like this is how we see him, where he's actually a lot slimmer and more agile. It's like that, is that what we as the audience are supposed to think, or like, or, or that's just the only stunt double that they could get? I mean, I don't know how that works. Yeah, it does make you wonder sometimes whether it's uh, him choosing them and saying. No, no, that that is, that is how I look. Like, or, or or it's the, the say the producers or whatever just getting whoever they can. But I know some of some of his doubles have been used on multiple films, so they they they've been hired specifically to be uh, uh, his doubles specifically. So yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, there's some interesting story. I've I've always thought there's a great book in there somewhere about Steven Seagal's stunt doubles that you know. If anybody could track him down and interview them, it would be a fascinating story. I I mean, I would just love to hear that conversation. Like, like the producer says, like, well, I got good news and bad news. The good (laughs) news is you're going to be in a movie. The bad news is we picked you because you look exactly like Steven Seagal. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of a good news, bad news situation. But, um, yeah, so (laughs) that explains that. Um, But, uh... Well, so you've, you've seen Kill Switch. Those oh, are very obvious stunt doubles. It's such a bad movie. It's so aw- and I don't like to say that, but it's so it's just so hard to watch. Yeah, right. it's um, I'm 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 a big cigar fan, so I've I've always been quite forgiving. Uh, but yeah, it's, 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 it, it, it is hard sometimes. To, I know. And that one test, I think, would test the patience of even the most diehard Seagal fan. I just because we like him, too. I mean, obviously, you know, he was so instrumental in in action, you know, in the late 80s and early 90s and beyond. But that kill switch is just, oh, my God, it's it, it, it really will test your patience. I don't know. I think there's enough that's really I mean, part of one of the things that I love sort of about some of those movies is that there are so many degrees of bad in them you know they're a, they're a fanta- they're a fascinating study in bad cinema on things that don't work and and so and sometimes those are the things that you end up enjoying so two of my favorites that he did of, of that sort of the 2000s were submerged and today you die which a lot of people would say are some other you know highly ranked amongst the worst and, you know, for good reason in some cases. But, you know, those ones, I don't know what it is. I'm just captivated by them. Uh, and I just keep coming back to them time again. You know, I, I, you know you've got all the dubbing and the doubling and, the, you know, <laughs> being, off, being off screen, not appearing, disappearing. You know. But then I start to look at them closely. It's like in Submerged, there's this big tunnel scene with a, with a tank and stuff. Uh, which you may remember, where um, uh, Vinnie Jones and the guys, they're all running around and they're firing. I, re- I definitely like remember war that. Scene. But as I've watched it over, I've realised, hang on, Steven Seagal's scenes were clearly shot independently of everything else. He clearly wasn't there on that day. 
<laughs> but, and, and I've noticed that quite a few times. Like in Flight of Fury, there's a big action scene that takes place between him and some other guys at a petrol station, uh, a gas station. <laughs> and it was, and it's clear to me that they just spliced the two things together. That there wasn't an actual fight taking place. That they 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 shot reaction shots between the two between the people he was supposed to be fighting and close-ups of him and then they just put the two together which I think is quite clever really but it's, well, uh, it's, it's hilariously it's funny and, and obvious That's and uh, Attack Force is also a hilariously silly yeah. movie yeah oh, the dubbing alone is where you have to watch just for the dubbing of Seagal's voice so uh, clearly not Seagal not just the physical stunt doubles but all the different voices he's had over yeah. the years the people that have dubbed him that's really funny too or interesting um, but, he did a lot of, there was a lot of dubbing in uh, uh, Out, Out of Reach which was shot in oh, yes. Poland and uh, I actually well I, I, he did two films in Poland The Foreigner and uh, Out of Reach and when I was over in Poland I've been over Poland quite a few times and one time when I was over there, I, I did like a little pilgrimage to film locations. So I went to the place where, uh, amongst uh, various locations, but one of them was the the place where they shot the finale of Out of Reach. So I got to stand where, essentially where Seagal delivered the final blow to uh, Matt Schultz, who was playing the villain in that movie. He was supposed to be Turkish, but was clearly American. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> So, yeah, yeah that's, that's, I've, I've, I've always, I like, despite all their various flaws and stuff, I, I do uh, love most of Cigar's movies. It's, it's actually his more recent stuff that I really need to spend some time revisiting because I haven't seen things like Killing Salazar and End of a Gun and, and Maximum uh, Conviction more than once. So I'm trying to, re- I'm trying to redress that. that and, sounds uh, fun to rewatch them eventually. Maximum Conviction. I was at Stone Cold Steve Austin. Certainly. Yeah. Well, Brent Foster's the the real sort of standout in that, and he, as well as in uh, uh, Force of Execution, because he he appeared in both, and he, he was really he, he was really impressive. Uh, I, I was thinking that he would go on to he's like a should have been an action star kind of guy because he's he's almost like uh, Scott Atkins or something, but that seemed to uh, as yet he doesn't seem to have had a leading role in any projects. Obviously, things are quite different now, but um, I do believe he's on a show called was on a show called The Last Ship, which he's had some good scenes in. Oh, yes, I've seen that show. It's uh, Yeah, it was good. It was a good show. I knew I, <laughs> well, and here at TNT, it was on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, okay. and also, Go ahead. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, Seagal shot a movie here in Connecticut. Oh, uh, that's right. Pistol Whipped. So um, we've, well, I used to work where they shot some of the scenes. Uh, in Bridgeport. You know, the cemetery where they had the shoot at. Um, I, that I'm not so sure, but like, do you remember how like um, Lance Henriksen sort of like his um, hideout is in this abandoned theater? Yep, yep. Um, that's in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Okay. Um, which is right near where I used to work and not too far from here. And some of the exterior scenes, there was like a police station and other things like that and a courthouse. And that's, that's right. It's in Southern Connecticut. And, um, it's so, also on Bridgeport, right? I always forget that. Any other places in Connecticut? It was shot in Bridgeport. I think some was in Norwalk, which Norwalk. is a town not too far away. Check that um, too. So. so yeah, it was in and around that sort of Southern Connecticut area. So 
there's that <laughs> as far as um, uh, an interesting connection between both of us having visited uh, Seagal locations. That's pretty cool. Oh, and Stamford, too. Stamford, Connecticut. Oh, Stamford, yeah, which is right outside New York City. So that's probably why they did that. And it's funny because if you know the area, there's like a chase scene and they keep repeating the background like a cartoon. Um, you know, <laughs> like in that Simpsons with repeating that a, background. Yeah. Isn't that like a, a zoo or an aquarium? I think it's an aquarium where he goes with his daughter. With a mystic yeah. aquarium, Brett? <laughs> yeah, it could be a mystic aquarium, which is like a big aquarium here. So big aquarium here. Uh, that's probably where they did it. Yeah. But let's see. So topic at hand is uh, oh. video store memories. So this is an ongoing series where we basically just talk about video stores. Um, so just to kick that off, um, what are your video store memories? Like what, like what do you remember? How old were you? What, what box art stands out to you? And, and what were the names of the video stores? If you remember what towns were they in? Just kind of if think back to some of your, I guess I would just say video store memories. Well, the, um, I grew up in a small town on the, uh, in the Southeast of England called Sittingbourne. It's like a, an industrial town with, um, uh, there was a, a series of a chain of, video stores in the 1980s uh, run by a, a guy called Barry Wiles. So they were all called Barry Wiles Video. And he had uh, one, he had, I think, three locations in, in the town and or, or two in the main town and one in, in a sort of neighboring town in the outskirts. But it was just up the road. The, the main one was just up the road from me. And it was a very distinctive place. Uh, like uh, an industrial estate so it was it was off the off the beaten path really uh tucked away and it was uh like a business it was like a unit so it had, and it had like a sliding door on the side so you, you there was no windows you would just you'd go, go on the sliding door as if you were going into like a warehouse or something uh, but it was quite low it was about as, the the door was you know regular door height but it would mm. say the sliding door and it was usually always open and it was, I do think of it as remembering it like a, like a cave or a gallery or something where you go in and it, say there was no windows inside. It was all like wood paneled, decorated with uh, posters and standees and all the sort of paraphernalia that you don't, you know, you don't see anymore. Um, and well, very little of it. I mean, you get some standees for, you know, uh, the latest Disney movie and it's got compartments with the discs and stuff, but it's not the same as. That's what we always used to say. And you, you could actually uh, reserve or request to have them when they finished with them. So you could put your name down and, and you could have the standees or, or the posters. And they had these around the corner at the back there, these um, uh, bins with, you know, just uh, with the, 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 the old posters rolled up. You know, they got them, they got them, uh, the corners are, are damaged from the staples, you know, being pulled, being pulled off the wall. Uh, the sample um, sleeves, you know, the sl you used to get the, the sleeve art with, well, actually, I don't know if it was the same for you guys over there because the, the distribution is different. But we used, um, because they were all, uh, the videos were all in cases over here, plastic cases, and they would have these sample sleeves for promotional purposes, which would usually have the normal sleeve on one side and then on the other it was um 
promotional information like some stats and figures and how much it cost, how much the units were and stuff like that so they would usually have those available so i, I you know i grew up going in this place uh, like all the time like pretty much every day you know just browsing and uh, collecting these posters and decorating my walls and stuff and that's really where i fell in love with movies Right. Well, that's why I think it's so important to to have this series. Now people talk about this, but um, so this was in the '80s. So do you know if that chain, the Barry Wiles, did he get in trouble as far as the video nasties, or or do you know if there's any controversy there as far as that? Uh, I don't know. I think they would have just um, towed the line, whatever they were supposed to do. I think at that point there wasn't anything. Uh, anything specifically I remember about it. I mean, the, we had, Charles, you know, Child's Play 3 was uh, was a big one when the when the, uh, the Bulger uh, murder case occurred. Uh, so I, that was around the time that I was so, oh, I don't know, uh, 13 or something like that. So that would have been a film that would have been, I think, withdrawn around that time. But I don't have any particularly strong memories about that and the stuff, uh, the, the earlier video nasty stuff I was just too young for. Um, in terms of what films I had and, you know, what, what I went for in the box art, I remember. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. It is really, you know, uh, Gremlins was a big one. Um, I, I have a vivid memory of, you know, that film coming out in 90, so it came out in like, let's say it came out on video in 1984. Uh, my parents had rented it and they called us down, my brother and I, they called us down from upstairs uh, as like a treat to watch it. And this was, and this would had a 15 certificate here in the UK and we were about six or seven at the time. So we, it wasn't really suitable for us, but that was the weird thing about Gremlins was it, it was made as a kid's movie, but it was far too terrifying. Uh, and uh, so I had these, you know, nightmares and everything for years afterwards and stuff. But the film is still one of my, you know, made such an impression on me that I wouldn't change that for anything. You know, oh, that's yeah. a great video memory. And I would go in and look at that. And and then there was stuff like Critters. So that made a massive <laughs> impact on me. I loved the artwork. <laughs> Critters. Uh, Critters. Oh, yeah. And Critters, uh, Critters 3 is uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's best work. Yeah. So. <laughs> what about Critters 4, Critters 4 with uh, Angela Bassett? Also her uh, best work. I actually haven't <laughs> seen the real launching pad for people. They made, made, they made the fifth Critters movie recently, didn't they? And I, I, I confess Did another Critters? I never honestly <laughs> knew that. Well, there was a crit. They made there was it was a weird year because there was a Critters TV series mm. and a Critters movie, both completely unrelated, came out in the same year last last year. So, well, it's funny because because of Gremlins, I would think there was all these movies in a similar vein, like Critters. Um, what's the other? Ghoulies. Ghoulies. Yeah, Ghoulies. Um, oh, Ghoulies uh, Go to College was a big one for me. Yeah. I've never seen it. Well, you should. It's good fun. It's got Jason Scott Lee in it uh, in one of his first roles. But well, that's a lot of fun. That movie. Um, Kevin Kevin McCarthy from uh, oh, McCarthy. Snatchers. Uh, and he's in, yeah, it's great. I, I'd love to see that again. It's hard, quite, again, quite hard to get hold of. Um, there was, say, Critters and Munchie. Munchies. Yes, I'm glad you said Munchie. If you didn't say Munchie, I was going to say Munchie. Yeah. yeah, Munchies, the first one, uh, not, not Munchie, the Dom DeLuise. Uh, oh, oh, see, I was thinking of Munchie. Like, I thought it was a singular. I thought it was only one Munchie, but I guess. Well, no, there was, originally there was Munchies, <laughs> which 
was uh, the box art was really memorable. It was the um, it was the, the little creature looking up a woman's skirt, basically. Right, you know, we had that same box art the, too. In the eighties, yeah. it was always the uh, a woman's legs kind of pose, you know, <laughs> a view to a kill and all that kind of stuff. Was, um, yes. they, they always did that, so that was their play on that. It was like oh, they're a bit they're a bit raunchy uh, little <laughs> little creatures and stuff. So it was more. Of a, <laughs> it was kind of going on the teen sex comedy Porky's kind of thing, but with you know with Gremlins doing it. Kind of again, I'd love to see that again because it's been so long. But um, I remember that that film made a big impression on me. But as you know, as years go by, you know, there's other things like uh, so the, the the video store became like a hub. You know, you 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 go there with your friends to hang out and just look at stuff. But then you you get stuff, or you get your parents to get your stuff for watching a you know at the weekend or birthday parties. So one of the big ones for me was. Uh, the film that we know as Dark Angel, which but was which you which was the original title was I Come in Peace. I Come in Peace, yeah. Nice. I mean that was amazing uh, with with all its uh, uh, flying CD carnage. Yes. Uh, 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 Matthias uh, Hughes at his best and Dolph. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So was one of the, uh, and Craig Arbaxley's direction and uh, even Brian Benben in his uh, his <laughs> It's just. That's just a really, really good movie. That's got drug deals gone wrong because it's oh, a, yeah. the alien comes in and right. the white the boys. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. And, and uh, thanks to the Blu-ray, it's you know easily available to people if they want to get a hold of it. Now I wanted to ask you, going back to what I was saying previously about you know we've got plastic cases, big box, mm-hmm. big box cases. So there was always big boxes for rentals, smaller boxes for sell-through. Uh, so that's how they distinguish them. Uh, but you guys have cardboard cases. As a, well, as a... what's interesting about that is it depends on the video label. Like some companies, their thing was we do big boxes. You know, others do small boxes where it's just like a little sleeve that just fits the tape and that's it. You know, it just slides into the, the you know, the cardboard yeah. housing. Yeah. Um, if... You know, if it was like MGM, they did a big box with like a plastic tray where um, the the cardboard goes over this plastic tray. That's almost like, you know, the same type of tray that would be in a uh, like a cookie (laughs) box of cookies or candy. It was like a a plastic thing like that. So it it really depends on the label of who was releasing the movie more than anything else. Okay, yeah, because whenever I've always just. Whenever I've imported tapes or anything, they've always been uh, cardboard, and it's just it's just such a it's such a jarring thing because it was it's such a so different to what we have. You know, ours, ours you know the the cardboard can get ripped and stuff, and whereas over here, you know, the it, the, the bigger disaster for us was when the when the side of when the plastic on the cover starts to rip, and you know, and then the cut and then the uh, the sleeve is exposed and then it can get frayed or or whatever and, and you in, in in the case of those cardboard cases it's just they must be have been so easily damaged which i guess you know in terms of you know collectability and stuff the, the sort of weathered kind of look of them is kind of part of their charm i think you know a lot of video stores would put the, yeah. that into a plastic sleeve so yeah. that would help protect it um, well, when we worked at the video store, I know because we, we work at a we worked at a video store uh, back in the day. It was all yeah. 
plastic cases, right, Brett? Well, yeah, I mean, what they would do, and unfortunately a lot of video stores did this, is they'd cut the box so it would fit oh. into a, a sleeve that was kind of like a book cover. Like, you know, when in school you have to make a – they want you to make like a book cover out of yeah. newspaper or whatever to cover your book. It was like that. So it wouldn't fit in without it being cut. So we'd have to cut the box and slide it in. Later, there was the kind where you don't have to cut it. It just slides right into a plastic case that's like the same dimensions as the cardboard sleeve, but bigger. So you can just fit the, the whole thing into the plastic case. And, and that provided some pretty good protection, even though sometimes it's hard to get the tape out. Um, and you have to shake it, which is probably not good for the tape itself. Yeah, but when, the squeeze when you, and shake. When you would rent the tapes, when I, well, certainly where we always used to rent them and later mm. in uh, the other stores because in the so it was like the indies like barry wiles were there in the 80s and there were you know it was quite a few video stores around and you could pick up videos in various other locations as well like you know corner shops and stuff but the who would who would also do their own rentals but the it the bigger the sort of the chains started coming in and we had uh ritz which was like a forerunner well it's actually i think it was a competitor to um Blockbuster, I think Blockbuster came over to us later and mm. bought out all the um, all the other stores. So it was um, there was Ritz, which became Blockbuster. There was Choices, which was the store I eventually ended up working at when I was a bit older, and uh, that I think also got bought out by Blockbuster eventually. So the but when I, in the the same thing, it was the same thing in all of these places, which was you would when you rent the film you would get the you would get the the videotape in a box that was branded for the store not the original box right yeah i know a lot of places did that yeah um i mean at best video well, it's just, them still, yeah. but, the, um, yeah. but that was yeah. quite a common thing so did you guys have the same well at best video did not have that i think i was guessing their their security if you want to call it that was pretty lax they would just yeah, put very the tape very lax <laughs> It, it just, the tape was on the shelf, and you bring it to the front, and you rent it. I mean, that was how they yeah. did it. So No they, security. There was no security as far as that. But most places didn't do that. Like um, like Video 7, another place we've mentioned, they they have the empty box on the shelf, you know. And um, so it's like the cardboard sleeve, you know, it's on the shelf. And then he has this whole back room with all the VHS tapes and with like a – silver or gold like marker it has a number so you know he sees oh it's this is 7357 and then he goes to get it and he puts it in the box and then you rent it so he, he'll put it in the original box um, um but i know some places like tommy k's which is um another local chain my memory of that is they give you like a blank box to take the tape home in so everyone had kind of their own way of doing it mm-hmm. and over in in our uh, in our stores they had uh so all the all the all the tapes had a, a genre sticker stuck on them, uh, which would help them be categorized. So there was like horror stickers and sci-fi and uh, comedy and whatever. And um, so they would have that stuck on them. But then when they got taken out, I mean, I think they had like a sticker with like a reference number and stuff for the tapes, you know, as well. But also when when the when the when the video was out, they would put a little tab on the top saying on loan so that they could still put it on display 
and so people would know what they've got but they but they would also know that actually they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to rent it at that time but then you could, right, reserve it. You could say oh can i have it when it's back and there was, there's this whole thing about you know reserving titles and calling out oh, yeah, oh yeah all reserving is part well, of common blockbuster was yeah. blockbuster was pretty bad at reserving you know it's, it's, if it's there or not that's it and people think it's there a lot too and never look uh, behind the cases. Well, yeah, Blockbuster, they had, the, at least here, they had the, 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 like the empty box in front, and then the tape is behind it. Yep. So you think, oh, it's here, then you move the tape, and oh, it's not here. Oh, so it's gone. They, they had both out on the floor, and that's yet another way of doing it. So everyone had their own way. Um, <laughs> moving on to an, another thing. So more, I have some other memories of mine sure. are... Uh, the video store used to run competitions, uh, which I guess would be in association with the, uh, you know, the distributors or whatever. They would, you know, have merchandise. So I, the first competition I ever won was for a Return to Oz T-shirt. That's um, cool. That's and then, unfortunately, I don't have the T-shirt anymore. And I was desperately trying to find a copy of a of a picture with me wearing it or something, but I haven't been able to track it down. But I remember it was like a blue T-shirt with I think Return to Oz was like almost like almost like pink writing. I think for the title, I don't remember very well. But um, what so what year was Return to Oz? About 1984, 85 or something? Do you think? I could check that, but that sounds right. Yeah. But the, so that was kind of a big, I mean, Disney movies and that were a big deal. You know, when I walked in, when I came in through the door uh, of this um, uh, trading estate uh, 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 store, say this guy cave kind of thing. So on the left, we would have the kids movies and then you could turn right and you could head straight down for comedy. But if you turned sort of, if you sort of uh, turned around the corner a little bit, that's where the horror and adult titles were. And, and then if you went, you could backtrack on yourself and get, if you went back to where you walked in and walked straight ahead, that was where I think action was around mm. there, science fiction uh, on the other side. So I remember the layout of the store really well. And it, it, great was, memory. You know, it was like a second home to me. Uh, and as I, I'm, I'm still, you know, massively fond of, of that time to this day. I think, Bar you know, this guy, Barry Wiles, who, from my research or whatever trying to find clearly an entrepreneurial kind of guy he's done lots of different things over time and you know closed the video stores around you know in the early 90s i guess uh, well actually probably late and mid, mid to late mid to late 90s i think he must have closed the last store because i ended up um hanging out at one of the other stores quite a lot uh, which was a really small place but that was in a sort of that was a much more normal than sort of street uh uh, back street store so that had like window displays and you know proper door entry and that and they always closed on a wednesday uh, i don't know if you guys have ever had that but a lot of lot of stores like that used to close on a wednesday so you could get a longer rental period if you took out on a tuesday well on this <laughs> no, we video well we have uh like one day rentals <laughs> well i mean <laughs> the new releases, the newest right? hottest hits they, well, the hot, they wanted people to bring them back as soon as they could yeah yeah, it was like, yeah, till like 6 p.m. They never closed. No, we didn't have that closed on Wednesday. No, that, nope. that's no. news to me. Another on Christmas. <laughs> another one we had. Yeah, well, yeah, that's always a good one. The um, uh, when when Ritz opened up, they introduced this uh, same day return. So you could, if you if you rented it overnight, 
it would be like, I don't know, three pounds, for example. Uh, and, but if you brought it back same day, you know, by six o'clock in the evening, you could get it for 99p. So did a, I did a lot of that, you know, just rushing down every single day, renting different tapes, um, uh, looking through this. It, when I when started going to these bigger stores, this is where you'd see multiple copies of the big releases rather than just one or two. You know, when this, you know, when you started to see the big walls, which later, you know, blockbuster, it was just like two two massive sections of, of the same title you know just i to, definitely remember that yeah. <laughs> so many well, shreks you know <laughs> yeah and then, but then it was like looking it was trying to find the little stuff and not knowing what was coming out uh you know in the same you know we can check schedules and everything now we didn't have any of that then so it was always a case of getting being excited what's going to come out this week going down for you know almost essentially opening as or as soon as you possibly could and you know scouring the shelves and you know trying to spot what the new releases were uh, and that's where i came to that's where i came found things like shadow fury and uh, the first i think it was the first bollywood action film i ever saw mission uh, kashmir i found in uh, in uh, in ritz as well um, so the uh, yeah so that started me off on a on a journey with uh, with the indian action movies uh, after that and there was all you know the, i had, it's a, it's a shame that these big stores came in and kind of took over, you know, grab my, you know, I feel a bit guilty that I, you know, gave so much business to the, to the big business rather than the, 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 the little independent that I kind of grew away from because, because these bigger stores could offer so much more in certain respects. But, um, that's just, that was just kind of the way in, that's kind of a maturing or growing up with the, with the video store age is kind of that's the journeys that we took you know and i ended up you know mm. using both eventually sort of moving between between both kinds of stores until they you know there were none left or, or so i was working for one for a couple of years uh one of the last ones choices um and i still have my uh sales assistant badge and stuff <laughs> that's, that's good that's cool you still have that that's a... <laughs> yeah that's a, that was a good a good save yeah. We don't we yeah. have uh, uniforms. Uh, that's video. So yeah, it was just a mom and pop place where you could wear whatever you want. Yeah. So, you know, Blockbuster they had their own you know pants. You know, it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like, what I mean. Barry Wiles, it was just the staff yeah. would just wear what you know, just wear whatever they wanted. I mean, I, I, the reason I got the reason I ended up going to work in Choices was uh, when I used to go to the Barry, uh, what I'll call the, you know, the Chaucer Road, Barry Wiles store. That was what it, that was the road it was on. Um, mm. and I was hanging around there after school and stuff. And there was a nice lady there, uh, who her son, uh, worked at Choices. And I got to know them so well that I kind of, I kind of ended up at Choices because of that. So it's that relationship that developed that ultimately led to me working in a video store. But it was a different video store to that one, um, so because the, the, they had there was kind of a kind of a community kind of thing to it really, which was lovely. Um, uh, they were really nice people. I, I enjoyed, uh, you know, I, it was as much about speaking to the people and talking about the movies rather than just just sort of walking around and looking at the shelves, which was always, you know, always the main, great fun main main interest. But it was kind of those establishing those, you know 
uh, dialogues, really. Yeah, because you're you're talking to people with a similar interest. Yeah, um, and, and different, and, and not necessarily in the same age group either. So you're sort you're you're bringing your sort of, or I was bringing my uh, young perspective, and then you're talking to somebody older who's perhaps you know can has a different idea, you know, some, not perhaps not as interested in the movies as as you are, and you and I was kind of venting my you know releasing my enthusiasm. <laughs> it's probably the <laughs> the kind of way. To, I, I think I probably became a bit of a pest, to be honest. But, you know, that was, that's just, you know, I was a film geek, so that was where I ended up. <laughs> yeah, but isn't that part of it? Like, it's a, you're learning. You're, I mean, of course, you're going to learn from older people that are there and what, you know, from their perspective. And it, it is a process of learning and discovery. So, I mean, it's inevitable that from talking to the people that are there, you're going to soak things up like a student, yeah. you know. That's right. And then her, say, from her son, sort of meeting him and what, you know, talking about, because he was a similar age. Mm. So he would help me, you know, he would lend me, you know, they got, they, this is a time they used to get like screeners and stuff in uh, to watch before the films came out. So I, they oh, were yeah. some of those. So that was quite nice. And and then I went to work there and that became kind of a an interesting community, you know, because they, they, those guys all had sort of different interests, established some good friendships there. Again, even when I wasn't working there, I would hang out there a lot because, you know, you just want to be around the, be around the movies and the, and the people and stuff. And there's another thing about the video stores is they they started to, to dive. They were diversifying as well. So it wasn't um, around the time I was working at Choices. This is where DVD was coming in. Uh, and also they were they were renting lots of video games and, you know, selling consoles. And it wasn't just about um it wasn't just about the films anymore. It was kind of a um, trying to cover everything. It was a home entertainment kind of place. And then, so oh, uh, I'm gonna I'm, my mind's sort of jumping around. So I want to oh. sort of talk about X rental videotapes. Okay. Uh, so so this was you know when when I was growing up and, and uh, going to Ritz, they started selling off their tapes. Uh, and some of them would be really expensive because video uh, rental copies, you know, around that time were really were a lot of money. Uh, yes. You know, a considerable amount that you'd have to you have to rent it quite a lot to make its money back. So I remember buying a, a copy of Dick Tracy uh, mm. on on it on in a big case for like twenty five pounds, I think it was, which is really expensive. Uh, you know, for a regular video, a regular movie on on sell through video would be 10 you know 11 pounds let's say uh, mm. but because it had that exclusivity you know it had been out a while it wasn't out on sell through yet it was like that it, beca- it was like an exclusive item so you know i had some disposable income or whatever and then uh, i started to collect tapes like that uh, so that was quite a consider that was quite a big thing as well to you know to um you always like to feel like you've got something that somebody else oh, doesn't have. Yeah, I love that feeling, that yeah. exclusive feeling. Yeah, so even a, bit, a big film like Dick Tracy, which, to be honest, I wasn't even a massive fan of. It was just <laughs> kind of that, I think it was just like the, the fact that it was new and exciting and available, you know, you could get your hands on it. I think um, when things, because we had the Exorcist band over here for a long time. So when that came out on video, um, when the, when, because you've got the window between a film coming out and, and to rent, and then it would be quite a while, and then it would come out to buy. So the, the X rentals were actually, they did quite well at that time. So like um, 
when The Exorcist would have come out on X Rental, it sold. It would have sold really well because that was the only way you could get hold of it, and then, uh, for for a fair amount of time. And then the game changer was like when Armageddon, I think, was or, or might have been a couple of other titles, but for me, like Armageddon came out on DVD, and it was not only did um, there was no window at all. There was not only, there wasn't. It was it was just available instantly. So the first the, the day it came out to rent was the day it came out to buy. And, you know, I could just get these films instantly. And, like, and one of the big ones for me was, in terms of DTV, direct-to-video uh, kind of stuff, was Soldier with Kurt Russell, because that didn't have a cinema release. Uh, and, you know, it was the biggest budget film ever to go uh, straight to uh, home entertainment. And I just loved that. You know, I just bought it. I watched it loads. And, uh, and I was getting massively what? into uh, collecting DVDs and stuff at that time. So my video collection would sit side by side with my DVD collection, which admittedly is um, the videos look much more impressive <laughs> because they're in those big cases. And <clears> the DVDs, <throat> so then, then that sort of starts to drive you a bit mad in terms of um, trying to get order in, in your collection. But, uh, well, but that's the thing about DVDs. DVDs were like that. You know, the, the DVDs were the same price, uh, you know, across the board. Um, whereas before that, and you know, Ty and I have mentioned this before, which is here, like a VHS tape retailed for eighty nine ninety nine, and know. slightly uh, price slightly higher in Canada. So yeah, that wasn't enough, that. huh? <laughs> price slightly higher in Canada, which it says on lots of stuff over here because yeah. you know, because obviously their monetary system is slightly different from ours, even though, you know being neighbors and such but uh yeah so it would be 89.99 or what or, or or more sometimes um and uh so it, it, they were just prohibit prohibitively expensive for just a regular person um and it's amazing that video stores would even have the, so many because like what if um a movie like i don't know Raging Cajun uh, cost eighty nine ninety five, and you, it cost how much to rent it? Like three dollars. It would take forever to make back the money for Raging yeah. Cajun or any sort of movie that isn't a huge, massive Hollywood hit. So it's amazing any video store could even make money with that sort of pricing plan. Yeah, I don't know if it, may, it does make you wonder if the if the lower budget movies from the smaller distributors were priced more competitively to make them more attractive. Yeah, over, that's true. You know, must have been. I would expect that some of the, you know, Warner Brothers and Paramount, etc., they would have, they would have been, the, they're the premium product. And then the smaller stuff like, you know, various, uh, various, dist- I like Vestron and stuff over here. Would have probably yeah, been. restaurant. No, that's a good example. I, and I have some Transworld videos that say they're seventy nine yep. ninety five. So yeah, they're, 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 they're not budging. But yeah, uh, South and Southgate because I have some of those Fred Williamson Black Cobra movies. They're all seventy nine ninety five. Right. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I know it's it's amazing to think, especially when DVDs came along and blew that out of the water because, you know, then it just made it seem ridiculous to have those high prices, but. And plus, you know, they had, you know, supposedly, and well, they did have better quality and, you know, extras. So not only were they cheaper, they gave you more. Um, so the whole seventy nine ninety five price or whatever, it just, it seemed even more absurd than it was before. Um, but that, but then things they hit sell through and then they became affordable. 
Um, but I did want to go back to something you said way earlier on, which was these sample sleeves. So yes. what exactly was a sample sleeve? Is it the sleeve that goes in the plastic that would be the artwork for the VHS? Or was it like a piece of promotional uh, paper? Like, a different, that, like different artwork. Like well, was it yeah, as the as VHS or was it like a flyer? Yeah, so it's kind of both. It's it's the it's a print of what what would be the box art, but with uh, where like the barcode information and stuff would be on it, it would have like like it would stamp had sample uh, it would have stamped on it sample so that people couldn't so it couldn't be used to wrap around a, um, a pirate copy, uh, a, you know, a, a, a fake uh, version. Uh, that was what they were trying to do anyway. I'm sure many. Uh, places did that anyway uh, regardless because that's you know quite an easy thing to do but the so they would have that and then on the other side of the uh, instead of having just the white side I mean some some sleeves are reversible so you'd have two different sets of artwork um, usually the, usually the, the the main cover part art would might, might be different but usually on uh, on these promotional ones it would have uh, some stats and information about the film uh, you know maybe a some more detailed information and information about the pricing I think would be the um, the main thing and then they would those would go to the uh, the video stores and they could you know look at it and sort of imagine what's going to look like on the shelf is it people going to be interested in it and stuff and then they could if they were going to uh, have that movie in they could use that as, as promotion and, and you know uh, use like a staple gun to put it put it on the walls <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, as far as I know, we didn't have that over here. That's, no, not at all. So that's that's pretty interesting. Um, so can you buy those like like now? Like can you go on eBay and buy like a bunch of sample sleeves? Or actually, uh, I have noticed recently, yes, that people do sell them, and some of them sell them for quite a lot of money. I think, uh, which is <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah, but I, I actually I was looking at one. Uh, it was some they put it in a frame. Uh, and they were trying to sell it for like a a huge. I think it was uh, somebody I follow on Twitter. I think he highlighted it. It was like you know, it was like something really random, like really specialist, um, like cult sort of title. Uh, and it was just like, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan, but there's not you know no way I would pay what they're asking for that. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so there are people out there who who collected them and are selling them. Interesting, interesting. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else? they want to bring up because well, uh, going back to the uh, x rental tapes uh, i i should have mentioned one of the other favorites of, of you know the most memorable ones at the time for me was firestorm with howie long <laughs> squarehead yeah square yeah yeah because <laughs> I, I i absolutely love the movie but um one of the great one of the things i liked about having the the tape uh, as a collector was the box was bright orange so this is another thing. A lot of the boxes, the boxes were traditionally black or white, uh, but every now and again you would get another one which was in another color. It's sometimes like blue or red, um, but the orange one was quite um, was quite unusual and really stood out because it matched the, um, the the cover sleeve artwork really well. I mean the, that whole the, the box it just looked great. Uh, it was just really. I'd love to get a, you know get my hands on a, a copy again so for some reason I got rid of that I don't know why but um it's such, such a great movie I mean I've watched it on DVD recently and the film really holds up but it was it's that experience of the pack you know it's the it's the packaging you know it's just oh yeah definitely yeah. 
you know, how long? He shouldn't have been in more action movies. You know, he's in Firestorm and Broken Arrow. You know, <laughs> that's it. I mean, I mean, because I think after that he kind of pursued more stuff with the NFL, right? I mean, I don't think he pursued his movie career too much. No, he did. A, he did a. He did a few movies. I think one of the uh, he did basically everything he most things that he appeared in didn't do very well. So obviously Firestorm flopped. So didn't didn't get another chance. And uh, and then he was in like uh, Three Thousand Miles to Graceland. I forgot Kevin he was in that. <laughs> which also was a uh, was director video over here, I think. And yeah, we got in the theater here. And <laughs> right. um, I. I had some problems with that, but some of the stuff, some of it was quite stylish. I do remember I had a really cool opening sequence with the scorpion and stuff, but the the rest of it I don't really remember much, even though the cast was great. But uh, another film he did was uh, Dollar for the Dead with Emilio Estevez. Oh, that's right, that western. Never, yeah. I saw a long time ago. I never, uh, I want to rewatch that one. It's on my look for list. So. That was directed by Gene Quintano, I believe, who'd done. Um, He'd done uh, Loaded Weapon 1 with Estevez <coughs> previously, which I loved. I, I mean, going to the cinema, I, yeah, I absolutely love that film. No, the I opening is great. Funny. Yeah. I remember it being funny. I remember the opening, he just shoots everything in the convenience store. And yeah. It's, it's a, um, what was I going to say? Go ahead, um, Brett. Oh, well, I was just going to say that um, Howie Long at least could have had a career that was equivalent to Brian Bosworth. You know, you'd think. Maybe Roddy Piper, if he was lucky. I don't know. Yeah, I think Brian Bosworth, because uh, he he came along, it was in 1990. Yeah, Stone, Stone Cold. Stone, Stone Cold. Yeah, so, yeah and uh, One Tough Bastard, which is one of, again, one of the few big boxes I own. Is that Do one? you have it under just, that title? It's just Did the most we, amazing title. How can I not have that in my collection? <laughs> we didn't have it under that title. We had it under one man's justice. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe that. I can't believe it was released over here with that title. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's amazing. I that's I'm I'm glad you held on to that. I mean, because that does seem like a collector's item, only because they probably wouldn't do that today. Uh, the other the other thing is, um, uh, in terms of the tapes and going back to the you know the the experience of the films and that is that it. When we watched these movies, you had the adverts and trailers and that before, you know, a bit like at the cinema, you have the adverts and trailers before the movie, which sometimes you can fast forward through or whatever. But and then the logos of the, the film distributors and stuff. So like, oh, yeah, um, lots of company logos. Yeah. So One Tough Bastard was Guild. And so I, I you know, I've watched loads of Guild movies. I think um, Jason Goes to Hell was a Guild. And that had a really, um, you know, it's just like a memorable light logo and stuff. A bit like when I used to, I mean. Uh, flipping over so my my film uh, youth was these Barry Wells video stores predominantly and our local cinema which was a Canon so that, so every time I went to see a movie I got the Canon logo and it was massive so it felt like it was coming at you it was uh, you know the Canon logos to this day I think one of the best um one of the best that there ever, you know, has been. Uh, so I just love, so I can watch any film that's, you know, got a Canon logo or anything like that. So the, um, uh, it was, you know, you rent these tapes and whatever. And if you go back and watch them now, I mean, I know you guys do this, you know, all the time, but so it's, you got the, 
what you, what you would have on your tapes, I think, I guess, is like coming attractions or, or you know, previews. <clears throat> right, the green band previews. Yeah, and they would yeah. come up with all these, um, with, the, with the trailers. And that was the only place you could see trailers. You couldn't see them anywhere else. You know that nowadays we, you know, we just treat see a trailer. You know, if we want to see anything, would it be in the cinema or it was on the video? So when you bought these videos or picked them up at boot fairs or, or, or over here charity shops, you guys would say thrift stores, I think. And um, so that's where you'd learn about other films is from not just watching the movie and and discovering that you know that, but you know seeing what the trailers, the advert, you know the, the yeah the, the coming attractions trailers for for those films on those videos. So I, I, one of my things that I really want, I, I, I got my, cause I've held onto a, a videotape player, a VHS recorder, which is just about hanging in, you know, um, it does still work. Maybe it still but, works. But yeah. So, and it's an, uh, cause I bought an NTSC compatible one so that I could play, oh. the, uh, play the American tape. I've still got a couple that I've never watched. So I, I imported, um, Revenge of the Radioactive Reporter. Um, yeah, I've heard of that. I mean, yeah, if we're here, at least it's it's a trauma, right? Well, no, it looks like a trauma. It's not a trauma, but it's like a similar sort of thing to Toxic Avenger, I guess. Uh, but I just thought it was because it kind of seems like it would be. Yeah, but the thing the thing is, I I bought I I always wanted to see it when I first discovered it when I was young, and I was too young to see it. Uh, and then I always wanted to get it. so then when when the days of Amazon came along and you could start importing and getting tapes sent to you from 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 the states i bought it but it's one of those ones i've held on to because I'm, I'm too scared to watch it because i i don't think it can match my expectation of what i want I know, to I, I know what you're feeling i i've had that feeling myself and i i, I definitely can relate to what you're saying right now so but i'm going to try and overcome that and rectify that because i think you know it's a got to have that experience but you, you go and watch these tapes now because our um televisions and you know our, you know we're used to higher definition stuff and everything now you put in these tapes and just by you know, they've not really changed i don't think it's sometimes in some cases the tapes have become worn and stuff and, you know i think we all have those memories of tapes getting chewed up in the machine and yeah you know, and you can only watch them so many times before yeah. problems yeah. start to arise yeah, but the um, uh, you play them, you play them back now, and you've got to adjust the tracking and stuff, and, and the picture, and yes, and it's all a bit wobbly and that, and you just think that nothing, things haven't changed. It's just our perception of what it's like. People who grew up watching black and white television, and then they go back and watch maybe the same black and white program now. Uh, you know, it, it's a different experience because well, yeah, it's like cause you have nothing to compare it. You have nothing to compare yeah. it with. So you've, you've, it's it's all it's it's impossible to actually have the same experience that we would have been able to have at that time. You know, it's it's all, but it's um it's a nice uh it's a nice little nostalgic kind of thing to have to watch those tapes. So I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna definitely. I'm definitely gonna put that on and probably say final score and that and revisit some of these. Oh, you have uh, final score on oh wait what what final score that's the one of batista Sorry, final goal i meant final, final goal, goal. Oh, okay yeah goal. that we were talking oh, about yeah. earlier yeah. um and also what was the other one so uh do you remember olivier gruner's savage yes savage yeah 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 so i've got a via i've got a tape of that which i confess i actually stole from the video store that i, <laughs> I worked in 
because I think they were, they were going to get rid of it. Understandable. Yeah, it was in like the back room. They were going to get rid of it, so I, I saved it. You know. So. Exactly. <laughs> now, if you wanted to like um, start collecting VHS there now, like like here at the thrift stores, you know, as we call them, uh, they're kind of like chains, like Goodwill and Salvation Army and Savers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. depending on where you live and they they all all of them have vhs because it's all just what people drop off do, do they have something similar there like uh, is it oxfam is that something yeah. or uh, yeah so we've got oxfam and there's loads of charity shops but the there's nobody wants videos anymore so therefore a lot of them just don't stop them they it, you it, you're very hard pressed to come across anywhere with a videotape uh and really and even dvds are getting uh, let you know less stopped now because people are you know more interested in streaming stuff so the uh there's there's we've got some you know we used to get things like if we're bringing it ahead so we've got things like pound land and stuff you know so so um ex, excess stock for some films you'd be able they would sell onto these shops and you could go in and buy buy dvds for a pound and that and um even those places aren't selling the dvds anymore you know the, the, so it's not just videos are going but it's it's dvds themselves are sort of over here where we have the dollar stores you know pretty much the same thing you can get blu-rays at uh the dollar store so dvds you can you can get blu-rays there yeah but so it's it's really i mean i regret i mean i had to get rid of all my tape uh, you know the majority of my tapes pretty much I only kept like four or five um, because I just couldn't cart them around, you know, from place to place. You know, I'd moved, I'd moved a few times, and you know, it's a lot, it's a lot of boxes, and uh, you know, <laughs> definitely. And then I was taking, you know, I was moving out of my parents' place and into into my own place, and it just wasn't viable for me to have them all with me. So I let them all go. And you always like to think they've gone to a good home, but you know, chances are they've just got lost or dumped or or whatever over time, and and there's there's titles I just think you know why did I why did I get rid of that yeah <laughs> um, and uh, yeah so that's that's the you know that feeling sometimes like oh I should have gotten rid of that movie yeah oh. but then you know that's that's just life isn't it yeah thing but yeah so I'm uh, one of the th- other thing was the uh, the Barry Wiles one of the first ever videotapes um, that I ever got was one. Uh, my mum actually bought uh, there, was, there was two I've got memories of my mum buying two tapes and this was the time when uh, kids videos came out so it, um, like cartoons and that but you would only get it would it would turn out it wasn't actually a film it was like a 22 minute episode or something uh, so she got one called uh, the first I'll get this one I'll get the one that I don't have uh, out of the way first so, so GoBots uh, okay yeah GoBots oh uh, and um, and uh, Transformers Arrival from Cybertron I had those we had those at the time, which probably would have cost a lot of money in the early, in the early eighties. Those were bought oh, from the Barry Wilde store because he would they would sell, sell tapes as well. But the one I do still have is Rupert and the Frog song, uh, the Frog Chorus, uh, which has um, Paul McCartney's, uh, Paul McCartney's animated sort of well animated music video, sort of long form, uh, short you know short film basically with a, a character Rupert the Bear who's. It was quite well known over here as like a comic strip and cartoon character and that. So I've still got that tape uh, in its original box, uh, which was designed like a book, I think, if I, if I can remember correctly. But I've got that up on my shelf. And so 
I've had that for, you know, what, nine, uh, yeah, 40 years nearly. <laughs> so um, I'm, I've, I've at least got that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, um, so that was one of the first, that was probably one of the first videotapes I ever had. Uh, as as like a as one that we had to, my brother and I as as the ones that we would own and say so everything else was rental really um oh just other memories that are coming up you know like uh, my aunt would come and uh, my aunt came and stayed with us and we went to the st- uh, video store and we got Supergirl <laughs> so I remember I remember I remember watching that one with Peter O'Toole. Uh, and stuff and then later on going to these other stores and like Die Hard 2 coming out that was quite a big thing because Die Hard had been an 18 so I couldn't see that one uh, because obviously our ratings uh, system is completely different to yours over here so it could be, you, you have to be 18 if Die Hard's an 18 so you have to be 18 to rent they it. were strict on that at the video store yeah yeah well generally because it's uh, they can get in trouble uh, sometimes they would be you know more flexible if they felt like they weren't gonna get in, you know getting caught but we never really tried it on too much i mean if we wanted anything um we would just get our parents to get it so i saw the nightmare on elm streets when i was you know not old enough to see them but it wasn't me there was one cut where there was one time a film was out uh that i really want that i was desperate to see uh uh, and uh so we, we we did this like stupid ringing up pretending we were our parents kind of thing and then saying oh i'm sending the kids to pick up this movie and, <laughs> and it was like uh hello and you know i got all dressed up so that, uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't recognize me and i thought i'll wear i'll wear something like completely inconspicuous and by trying to be inconspicuous i probably dressed in the most conspicuous way way possible and like like sunglasses and like featuring a trench coat with three yeah almost, on top. almost like that and I rent, renting, this, renting this video because i was so desperate to see it um uh, i i I will say it was called Flesh Gordon 2, uh, and, uh, it, and, it, and it didn't disappoint. It, I, it was great, uh, I, I, but it's, uh, you're, you guys are the only uh, the only people I've uh, ever told this story to, so um, don't tell anyone. We, we um, won't. It will not be recorded. But the, um, but the other thing was I had the poster for that movie as well, because that was, that was actually a cinema release, unbelievably, over here. I mean, it just wouldn't happen now. Um, but that movie had great artwork, almost like Drew Struzan-level artwork, to my view. Um, the, the poster was great. Uh, I, I can't believe I had it on my wall, you know, when I was a kid. I'm, I'm the, the, uh, the most conservative sort of, you know, I don't swear in front of my parents or, or anything even now, you know. So to have this, what is essentially an X-rated movie poster uh, on my bedroom wall when I was when I was a kid, it, I, I think back and I can't believe I did that. But, but it, it was like a comic book. Uh, it had that like, great comic book aesthetic, and uh, which uh, I'd say was really... Uh, we're really great uh, so great video memories uh, from from that and they say that stupid uh, way that I managed to get hold of uh, the copy renting it from a couple of um, from, I just remember it was, it was like a couple of uh, older teenage girls working in the, working in the store you know I'm sure they weren't stupid <laughs> like, they knew what was going on and they let that one slide um, but uh, yeah so it's the um uh, yeah, that seems like an, a, an appropriate uh, point to, 
end my video store memories, I guess. Sure, well, those are some great memories you have. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, you know, that does seem like a good ending point. Cause you, um, I, I'm glad it ended on more of a happy note, because before, when I thought it was ending, we were saying, oh, well, I got rid of all my tapes, and it, they're probably in a dump somewhere. I was like, oh, not a great place to end. Um, but then you, you, you kind of had that great story, so I'm glad you told that when you told it. Um, but I, I definitely want to thank you for not just coming on, but for actually sharing these memories. I mean, that's, nice. that's that was really cool that you came on and did that. Definitely so fascinating. Yeah. Um, is there anything you want to promote? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I'd be remiss if I did not say uh, to your audience to uh, come and check us out at the DTV Digest. Uh, we're on Twitter and Facebook, and we've got a podcast that we were publish uh, almost weekly uh, it can be a bit sporadic but we're we've been going for about four years uh, we're, we're, in the, we're in the fourth year I think we've got 100 and uh, the 111th or 112th episode uh, is up around uh, by, the, by the time you, you uh, you're listening to this we cover at the moment we cover on the show uh, at least one new release or a recent release uh, a short film because we believe that you know short films like other like director video movies just don't get enough promotion or awareness so we try to we i mean there's so many there's almost so many too many uh, good short films to sort of uh, to keep up with really but we try and pick pick a pick a good one as much as we can each episode as our, what we call our short shot and then uh, the last part of the show is our throwback so that's where we look back at uh, uh, some of the older releases and in terms of action stuff uh, just to give you an idea of the sort of things we covered as like shadow fury which we mentioned earlier but also uh, point blank with mickey rourke uh, <laughs> that was a good one where he's doing uh, uh, backflips and stuff yeah well, that was quite an interesting one to revisit because it yeah. was uh, there was things i noticed about it now that i didn't notice like back then it's like almost you know uh, mickey rourke's actually not in it as 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 much as you know he's he not is. He disappears uh, for long sections. Disappears, doesn't actually have that much to do. It's like more than it's. Most of it is happening with the bad guys, which is quite interesting. Um, he's got a couple of weird things with his scene. There's a couple of bits where where he's actually got dubbed lines, like I think lines by someone else. So it's a little bit like a Steven Seagal kind of thing, really. But <laughs> he does though, he, and obviously some of the action's not him. But he is so big and impressive in that movie. It's it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's. Um, it's quite an, an interesting, and it's basically a Con Air knockoff. It's, it's a lot of well, fun. Well, yeah, it's like Con Air meets Die Hard meets you know, yeah. these other Die Hard knockoff movies. Yeah. So, we, and talk and similar in a similar vein, we've covered uh, Demolition High and Demolition University with Corey Haim, which never got released um, in the UK on tape or DVD. I don't think it's only because we only got to see them because they turned up on Amazon. Um, Cracker Jack, which I remember. Oh. From back in the day. Hey, we're doing Cracker Jack two. Yeah, well, I do. I do want to try and get to Cracker Jack two and three. Two, I don't remember very well, but three was like, uh, I think I wrote that down as like one of my worst films I'd ever seen. But <laughs> it's just like really, um, I just, I just couldn't believe the plot. It's just like uh, it was something involving garden gnomes and stuff. It was crazy. <laughs> um, but well, we looked at. Uh, two is just it. It's a movie we're always championing because it's very, very, very silly. 
Like yeah. it's it's just it's just so silly that it's a lot of fun. It's very entertaining. So I definitely recommend Cracker Jack too. Yeah, I'm sure I'm, I'm I'm sure I must have seen it. I think it was released over here on originally under a different title. I'm not sure. I think it was well, we Hostage. had a different title too Hostage. called Hostage Train. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it was so. released there as Hostage Train. But the uh, yeah, so the uh, yeah, crack, but I mean it's Judge Reinhold, isn't it? It's just yeah. crazy. <laughs> it sure it's, is. It's, it's a bit like really when Steve Gutenberg did Airborne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a very apt comparison. Perfect. So, it's almost like you, you think that some of these should have been an action star type of thing. You know, a lot of a lot of unexpected people were action stars, yeah. weren't they? Exactly, exactly. And, and, and Reinhold is definitely one of them. At the top. By the way, I quite liked your. Um, I think when you mentioned John Tesh. Oh. <laughs> because I used to watch. Because we get some American imports. Uh, I used to watch Entertainment Tonight a lot yeah. um, it was over here. I don't think I even show it anywhere now but we used to get entertainment tonight on, on sky in the in the 80s 90s and that was where i think i first learned about skyscraper because they did a, a with um, anna nicole smith because they oh, did yeah. a they did a segment on it and stuff so that, that was I, I always enjoyed that show um but going back uh, other films we covered uh the sweeper jungle brown and u.s seals too uh, uh oh, all good ones. yeah all excellent movies and then on the, on the um, some of the main sort of the main sort of headline releases we covered, uh, just mentioned like uh, a lot of Scott Atkins, we're big Atkins fans. Oh yeah, we love him too. And sort and some of the sort of and some more unusual uh, sort of cult titles like Diamond Cartel, uh, Warrior Savitri, and The Code of Cain. So they're three movies that if, if anybody hasn't seen, uh, they should definitely check those out because they're they're good they're, they're very entertaining bad what in movies you know kind of what were they yeah. thinking you, i've heard of diamond got, cartel yeah, have have michael madsen cartel? i've heard of that one because michael madsen peter o'toole right and amanda sante yeah but and loads of other people like don the dragon wilson and olivia gruner turning up in cameos and stuff it's crazy <laughs> i gotta want i know i want to see it it's, uh... but they don't do anything that's the weird thing isn't bolo young also in it? gruner or something and then that's the end of the scene it's, it's really yes. random, but um, <laughs> but there's the film. Turn, I mean, yeah, the film as it is is crazy. But it started out. It was it was a different movie. I had a different title, and it got re-edited and changed and whatever. So uh, I don't know what was going on with that. But anyway, Warrior Savitri is an Indian film that you have to see. Uh, that's, that's just quite crazy. And the, and the code and the code of Cain is from Belarus, and that's got like Eric Roberts and oh, loads nice. of weird stuff. Loads of weird stuff going on in that film. Anyway, um, and there's also um, Another one. Did you guys see Commando Ninja, which uh, was released on YouTube? No, we have not seen that. That's like that's like a a, a retro. Sorry. Do you, um, do you know Kung Fury? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. So, yeah. so Commando Ninja is a bit like Kung Fury, in that it's like a throwback, you know, to the video, video rental kind of realm uh, time, and uh, you know, it's paying homage to that, and it's paying, and you know. Uh, riffing on commando and american ninja and all that sort of stuff uh and it's and it's quite and it is a lot of fun it, it the joke kind of is stretched a bit thin but it's uh and i think it would have been better as a short film rather than the sort because of, it was originally just going to be a short film and it ended up an hour and five minutes or so but it, you know it's well worth a look i mean you know it doesn't cost anything it's right out there and it, it's a french-made movie but it's dubbed into english and various other languages but the dubbing actually just makes it work better because it's like part of the joke is the dubbing. 
so it's kind of got this um italian import kind of feel to some of it you know to, to it. so that's um five things so anyway so we're on um twitter as the dtv digest facebook is the dtv digest and you can find the podcast on podbean and itunes i think as well but uh, nice. i'm not on that i know we're definitely on podbean yeah well i mean that's our hosting site as well and um yeah, so it's it, well. There's a good transition. So yeah, we're oh. we're also on Podbean, but we're, we're also on iTunes and um, uh, what are the Spotify, other ones? Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play, and iHeart. Yeah. And um, Ty, do uh, <laughs> see the well, reason why I'm bossing you around. And this is a good transition because I, we never mentioned this on the show before. We have a dramatic uh, reveal here, which is that we're okay. brothers. I yes, guess we never mentioned that before. We haven't mentioned um, that before. Yeah, we're uh, brothers, Ty and Brett. <laughs> double yes. impact. Double yes. exactly. Yeah, we both look like Van Damme. That's what we do. <laughs> um, but uh, so Ty, what is um? You want the you want some the social media stuff? Oh, okay, so on Twitter, I'm under Ty Comeuppance, and then we're uh, on my Instagram under Ty Action Rocks, where I show my VHS collection, and we have the website itself, which is ComeuppanceReviews.net. And then uh, Facebook, same thing, come up with reviews. I think that's it, right? Uh, and this, and uh, the email address is crpodcast at yahoo.com. Oh, um, I always forget. So, yeah, thanks again for coming oh, on. Yeah, thanks again, I, this is a great discussion. On. Yeah, I, I loved all those stories. It was really, really interesting. Thank you. I know I waffle on quite a lot, so I apologize. Oh, fine. <laughs> no, no, that's what you're not here to do. You're, you're not here to talk. So. You're the guest. Um, talk away. <laughs> but uh, and we'll have you back. So yeah, I'll be back on oh, for sure. Great. And um, so I think that wraps everything up. Yeah, so. I think it does. All right, so I guess uh, thanks for thanks for listening, so, yeah. <laughs> everyone. And we'll we'll see you next time. We'll be back. Bye. All right. Bye, everybody.